2: On a Saturday morning. Welcome my garden friends. Welcome my non-gardening friends as well. If you are listening to the show, I don't care what you do. You can live in a condo in downtown Atlanta. You can live someplace that you have no interest in gardening, but if you have an interest in talking and listening to talking about gardening then you're welcome this morning. So if you have a question, or if you have no question at all, I just want to join in and give your comments about what's going on. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. 750 You heard the number a minute ago. 404 0750. And do not tell me that I walked into the studio this morning and it's 55 degrees outside and it's going to be 75 degrees outside this afternoon and it is December the 12th. Don't tell me that. That is weird we got climate change talks going on right now over in Paris, and good God, I'm all right with 75 degrees in December. Yeah, oh man, Scott and said, man, we're loving this stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, what I'm thinking, you know what, I'm thinking the guy who's always deciding whether the glass is half full or half empty, I'm thinking, all right, if it's really, really warm in December, what's it going to be like in January this year? January could be, could be a bummer. Mm Mm-hmm, could be a bad one. Of course, fortunately, here's the, the, the good news for everyone here in Atlanta, is that usually I take garden tours to the southern hemisphere in early January to New Zealand or South Africa or some crazy place like that. and. On at least three occasions when we have been gone, somebody will read the headlines the day or so before we leave to come back home to Atlanta. And the headline will say, Atlanta braced for a massive ice storm. Atlanta going to be you know, deadlocked tomorrow for all the ice and this freezing rain and all this kind of stuff. The good news is I do not have a garden trip this year where I'll be leaving for uh, South Africa and coming back from South Africa. So you, you're, you're reasonably safe. You're reasonably safe right now from <laughs> bad weather protected by the people, or at least by myself and my garden traveling crew. Oi, what have I done this week in the garden? Not too terribly much. A little leaf raking. And speaking of leaf raking, you know what I saw this morning? I was driving here. This is, what, 5.40, I guess, this morning? Driving here to the studio at WSB, downtown Atlanta, and in my neighborhood, there is a guy parked on the side of the street, and not a just side street. This is a reasonably busy street. Pickup truck. There's uh, emergency lights on, and he has a rake, and he is raking up the pine straw and pitching it over into his pickup truck because he, like I, had known, have been known, to get free pine straw. If you need mulch for your landscape or things like that, people will rake it up and put it by the street in bags, and this guy in his case decided oh heck with the bag, let's just rake it up and put it in the truck and so um, if you are still in the in the market for some pine straw, I'm sure Pike would be happy to sell you the bale stuff, but if you want the free stuff and not a lot of interference from the folks who don't mind you getting rid of it or helping them to get rid of it, then go buy and get some bags of pine straw, use it for your landscape nothing wrong with that. Some of the cleaner pine straw, I guess this guy was probably thinking that on the street might be cleaner and not have so many leaves and things in it, I don't know but uh, you can look around. Some neighborhoods, some properties, some of your neighbor's properties might have better pine straw than others. So check in. Say, can I have your pine straw? And if you can, uh, pick it up. Put it in your, put it in your landscape. 404 872 at 611 or 612, I should say, in the morning. We go to our friend Nicole in Griffin, GA. Hey, Nicole. Mr. A. Mr. Cole, good morning. How are you?
3: Fine, fine. Did you plan those pansies? Eh?
2: <laughs> you know what I love is <laughs> people check it up on me. All right. Yes, I did plant those pansies. Yes, right. I did. Thank you very much. I did plant my pansies because uh, for those who are just joining this conversation, I confessed last Saturday to Nicole that the pansies that uh, purchased the previous Saturday, two weeks ago, had mm, somehow failed to sprout legs and walk over into my garden bed, and I might get around to it Saturday last week. I did, I did, I did. So
3: Talking fine. about fancy, that's what I did, too. I probably planted like 10 to 15 flat this week. And I cut the the flowers, and to enjoy them a little bit more, mm-hmm. I put them in a bowl of water oh, so yeah. they float. Great idea. But one, I, I need to ask you that mystery. I didn't place them in the water, I just throw them in the water and I have probably five or six bowls. (laughs) Why are all the color all together? The same color stand in the bowl all together. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> that's a real thing, isn't it?
2: I don't know. I thought what you were going to tell me is you threw them in the bowls, they all sank to the bottom and got it soggy. That was the end of that story. And the bad idea, yeah, that's what happened to me. It happens to me when I try something new each time.
3: Yeah, the same color, the same all together. I'm thinking maybe the weight. Mm, and maybe, every bowl is yeah. the same thing all the red uh, together, the all weight. the purple together.
2: That's a possibility. All right, you're you're the scientist as much as I am in this location, so I think <laughs> the weight, sure, sure, sounds good to me. Sounds good that, to me. That's uh, the only explanation I'm
3: thinking. That, All right,
2: Nicole, I want to follow up with you a conversation that you and I had the day after Thanksgiving. So this has been a month ago now. The day after Thanksgiving, can you remember what we were talking about?
3: Tomato underneath the bed.
2: It might have been tomato underneath the bed, but it was another subject in there too. A subject that I had to tell our listeners if they were eating breakfast it might be a really, really good idea to stop eating breakfast right then. Oh, oh We talked about me cleaning manure out of the chicken house and when Al Seraldo, you know, opened the Georgia Tech football game that my dad and I would, would spread the manure around the pastures. Well, I have another manure story for you, Nicole, but it's not about me. This is about the University of Georgia that I read an article yesterday I guess that the University of Georgia dairy scientists and the uh, engineering department the University of Georgia have developed a robotic boat now why would you need a robotic boat to herd dairy cows and it's not for herding the dairy cows it is for taking care of the big manure lagoons because I don't know what you know about cows but they produce a lot of manure lots and lots and lots and lots and so the dairy farmers will collect it and put it into a big Pond kind of thing, a lagoon, and um, aerate it and keep it there until they can spread it onto their fields. And there are laws and regulations and you know techniques of spreading the manure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the problems with the lagoons is that the manure solids will. Drift down to the bottom. And pretty soon you got a layer that gets thicker and thicker and thicker as the days and the months and everything go on. And pretty soon you have a lagoon you can't use for very much storage because you got too many solids down there. And the only way to prevent that. It has some sort of mechanism for uh, making turbulence in the lagoons, so that the manure solids are brought up to the surface and they oxidize and they break down a lot faster when they're up close to the surface of the water. So the engineers, the University of Georgia, bless their souls, made a robotic boat that you could. Uh, it had big pumps and blower things. On, you know, they would that would, that would push the water down real deeply into the lagoon, and so they could control it from the shore and keep. I'm sure, themselves out of harm's way (laughs) in the manure lagoon, because there's nothing that will ruin your day more than trying to pilot a boat in a manure lagoon and have an accident and tip over in the middle of the lagoon. So they have a robotically controlled boat that has big pumps that will stir up the manure particles, and life is better on the dairy farms of Georgia.
3: Well, the same thing happened in Canada. Um, My sister, they have a big dairy farm, and they had to build because... how the country got a control they build yeah. this big thing concrete yeah. around it but i was thinking they don't have no robot anything over there mm-hmm. is the water would have because they rain a lot in canada
2: yeah but uh, they may have in canada have something that they've used previously still use in georgia which is just pumps on the side of okay. the lagoon that they push the the uh, output of the pump down to the bottom and blow things around but the problem with that that the robotic boat solves is that sometimes those 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 outlets, the pump outlet, can't be moved around very readily on the bottom of the lagoon, so there are places where it works and places where the solids build up. Robotic boat can go anywhere you want to, just have a little joystick, make the boat go back in the corners and around in the middle, and again, it's an improvement. Yeah. It's an improvement. University of Georgia. Making our lives better.
3: Big time. I mean, all, even the extension, making our lives. Yeah. I mean, at that day, if you had to fail in it, isn't it?
2: Oh, it's it's not terribly deep. Usually they're, I think, 8 to 12 feet deep. So they're not terribly, terribly deep to the dairy lagoons, but they're not.
3: And that's a
2: Exactly. Thank you for saying that, and I don't want to think about it. But that is exactly what might could happen. Yeah. All right. Looking looking at the clock, Nicole, I see that it is 617, which says the thing that needs to happen is you and I need to bid a fond adieu to each other, and I will see you next Saturday.
3: Or outside.
2: All right, girly girl. It's going to be beautiful this afternoon. I'll see you soon. Enjoy your day. It's 618, and you are listening to Lawn and Garden. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. If you are planning on getting out in the garden or not, do not miss the chance just to get outside. This may be, could be, possibly be... (sighs) The last chance, we said this for the last couple of weeks, the last chance to get outside in warm, warm weather. Metro today, nothing but sunshine, clear skies, afternoon highs in the mid 70s. Yes, I said that. Mid 70s tonight, skies become partly cloudy, rain remains absent, overnight lows in the mid 50s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in about 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And for in depth news coverage, remember to pick up your Sunday Atlanta Journal Constitution for the news and $250 in coupon savings. We've got Ed in Johns Creek who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Brother Ed, good morning.
4: Hey, good morning, uh, Walter. Uh, I uh, saw you at uh, Johns Creek a couple of weeks ago at yeah. the show, and I uh, showed you a couple of photos of uh, two hollies. And oh a, yeah, and yeah, a yeah. We couldn't parents. figure
2: out what the heck was going on. There was dying in front of the house. Yeah, of the house. yeah, yeah. It was uh, my primary concern
4: at the time was the hollies, the holly. But the kind of bottom line on this, and I was told I should be very brief. Yeah, because we got two uh, minutes. Go for it. Which was, I called. Uh, you said you suggested calling an arborist. He came out. He looked at the holly. He felt it was as you had suggested, probably. May have a, a drainage issue, and he okay. indicated he thought it would survive but remain scraggly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, clear as he looked at, and he determined that um, they have a fungus at the bottom of them. Now they're about twelve years old, about five feet high, about That's five high. feet apart. Okay. uh... And he didn't seem very optimistic in terms of the you know mortality on these things. He said they're hard and expensive to treat. Mm-hmm. But I went to a, a very popular, um, my favorite uh,
2: mm-hmm. nursery.
4: And uh, they suggested that I uh, use a systemic spray on it. It's a propiconazole,
2: yeah. It's a, yeah, and it's sir.
4: infused by Bonide. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and 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 uh, uh, I should also mention that I've got a uh, so, Japanese but, maple.
2: Ed, what's your what's your question? this uh, morning? what are
4: what are your thoughts on getting this thing treated successfully, and anything else you can think
2: of that I Propiconazole do? is not a bad idea. It is a topical surface uh, and systemic to some extent uh, fungicide. So if you got leaf diseases on a clear arrow, not a bad choice at all. So yes, I would use that. Uh, you might get some relief a little bit right now by spraying, but it's cold weather. Fungus does not develop in cold weather, so don't worry so much about doing it now. Best time is next spring when it is warm, and because it's warm weather now, that's one of the reasons you might get some control now. But next time, uh, sometime in mid-March, when temperatures during the night are up in the 45-degree range, that would be the time to think about spraying propiconazole For the hollies, Fix the drainage. That's all we can say. Fix drainage. They hate wet feet. You got to work on that. All right, propiconazole and wet feet will make it work. At 628 News Talk WSB, back after news. Live and
1: festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB.
2: I almost came in with a t-shirt this morning. I put a little jacket on, all right, because I didn't want to be chilly in the car. But man, oh man, oh man, 75 this afternoon. If you've got garden projects that you have put off and put off and put off and haven't done yet, Today's the day. I mean, come on! You can't be this lucky so far. If you've got a question about what you could be doing this afternoon in the beautiful weather ahead, four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. And if you need uh, advice on those of you who got lucky and you know used prayer to to extend the fall season, you have been lucky, 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 lucky because the fescue grass that you planted way, way late when the man on the radio said it wasn't going to germinate. All right, it's germinated. I admit that. All right, I was wrong. But I was listening to Kurt Mallet and Kirkie said it was going to be sort of coolish in the wintertime, and eh, what does he know? 404 answer the question, he knows a lot. Bill is in Williamson, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bill, good morning.
5: Good morning, Walter. Um, I have a new way, of, at least for me, it's a new way of getting rid of... Uh... Yellow jackets that are non-toxic. If you want to talk about talk it, talk
2: to but, me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Question
5: about elephant ears. Yeah. I've got them contained in a, um, half barrels, and they've already been nipped back. And I needed to know: should could I put them underneath a screen porch that has? Cinder
2: blocks around it, or should I put them in the crawl space? You mean the elephant in the barrel? You want to keep yeah, it in just the, barrels? the barrel? Oh, yeah, I would think, unless again, I just invoked Kirk's name, if it turns out really cold, then I would still, though, underneath the screen force and concrete blocks around it, it's not going to be that cold underneath there. Man, if it were down to 10 degrees, I'd start worrying. Uh, if it's in the normal 20 degree, even in the high teens, I don't think you're going to have a problem, Bill. With the
5: crawl space, uh, uh, the screen porch or I cinder block? screen blocks porch. Is, the cinder
2: block walls are going to hold a good bit of heat, and the earth you know, is going to emit a good bit of heat down there. Not a lot. It's not going to be toasty or anything like that, but it's not going to get down way cold enough for elephant ear, I don't think.
5: Okay. That's my you guess. want to know about the
2: yellow jacket? Non-toxic. Talk to me.
5: Uh, well, and again, you, you may have already done this, but you know the uh, glass containers they have that looks like a beehive that you put sugar water
2: oh, in? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure.
5: Okay, I took the large one. You have to be careful because one time I ordered some that were, ended up being small, like six uh, inches, but it's the large one. I put sugar water in it, and at night I went out and put it directly over the hole right. of the Yellow Jackets, and within two to three days, It was filled up with hundreds and hundreds of Yellow Jackets, and um, the nest became inactive.
2: Inactive, inactive. Great idea, Bill. Let me tell people that you can get these Yellow Jacket traps, either plastic or glass. You can usually get them online. I don't see them many places around town. There's another one. I have another technique that uses a piece of tuna fish. that's held above a little saucer of uh, canola oil, and another one using... Similar track to what you're talking about there, Bill. But all these are on my website, and yours works fine, and that works well for the non-toxic crowd. Sure. Okay. You have a very Merry Christmas. You too, Bill. Thanks for calling. Thanks, buddy. 639. We've got who? Betsy. Betsy's in Marietta. She joins us on Lawn and Garden. Betsy, good morning.
3: Good morning, Walter. Um, I have a question about the hydrangeas that had dropped their leaves Mm. and now have great big fat leaf buds. Um, What's going to happen to those when they freeze? Are we going to lose all of our flowers this year?
2: Probably not. I mean, I recognize that the buds are looking pretty fat right now, but... It's my observation that even though they swell a little bit in the fall, and particularly late falls like we have now, late warm falls, that they're, they will go back slowly into dormancy as the cooler weather comes in December, January. The thing that really, really harms the flowers on hydrangeas happened last year and the year before, which was the cold weather of the winter, which was you know pretty cold, really, in the wintertime. Yeah. But then the little warm spurt in mid-February or maybe late February, both of years that warmed them up so the buds really did come out and swell up big and then frost and freeze and froze them off. So my bet is no damage, Betsy.
4: So
5: you feel like this is different from that situation?
2: Yeah, I do, because I think the sequence of cold weather, cold temperatures, and then warm temperatures is different now. It's really going to be warm and then cold, and it's going to be gradual, and I just don't think it's going to be much damage to the common hydrangea.
3: I hope you're right. <laughs> I believe
2: I am. I think I am. You call me in uh, May of next year and let me know if I'm right, Betsy. I will. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing you're riding about. on this uh conversational no bets or anything like that. So just let me know. Uh, I sure will. All Thank right, you. Betsy. Thanks for calling. 41 minutes past the hour. Who's turning? We got Bob. Bob is in Loganville. Hey Bob. Hey man. Good morning. Good morning sir. How you doing? I'm doing all right. What's going on?
4: I got a question. I uh, basically oh, uh, aerated and overseeded my yard with fescue and ryegrass. I just want to know when it's time for the, uh, when the fescue start coming up, is the ryegrass going to help or hinder the, uh, the germination of the, of the, uh, the uh, fescue?
2: It doesn't help the germination particularly, and it does have some competitiveness with it, so both of them are sort of looking for the same sunlight, sunlight sources during the wintertime. And next May... When the temperatures get into the 60s, 70s in late May, the ryegrass is going to start dying out, as you knew. It's just an annual grass. So yeah. this would have been one of those years where the folks that I advise who just I'll plant fescue and see what happens, they're probably going to look a little bit better in May of next year because they won't have the little patches of rye that, that die mm-hmm. out there. But honestly, Bob, you're not going to be way far off from, bad, from uh, good. I think you're going to be fine next year.
4: Do I have to do basically anything like aerate, or, I mean, the, the thatch it
2: or anything? No. Mow it when it needs it in the wintertime. I mean, sometimes rye and fescue both will get a little bit high during the winter, so sometime maybe late December maybe this year you may get some uh, need for mowing on the lawn. And as far as anything else, fertilizing. I mean, that's a real big thing, is you can make both rye and fescue really happy if you fertilize them regularly during the wintertime. It's a cool season. Both of them are cool season grasses. September, November... February, March is about right. March, maybe April for the four fertilizations for um, both of those grasses. And they basically, will really be 10, 10, 10. Huh? Say again?
4: Basically 10-10-10.
2: I would actually rather not 10-10-10. I'd rather not. I'll tell you why. 101010 fertilizer is what's called a fast release, meaning as soon as the rain or irrigation comes, it's dissolved into the ground. During the summertime when grasses are growing fast, Bermuda grass particularly, boom, it uses it. Ooh, it grows great. During the okay. wintertime, that's really not what grass needs, and I would much prefer to be fertilized. Well, frankly, winter and summer, they'll do better with the brand name fertilizers, the uh, Scotts and Pennington and Pikes and all the various brands. Mm-hmm. do a lot better. They have a better formulation. that is, is time is time-to-release fertilizer. It releases itself over a long period of time, and that's really what grass would like. Very good. All right. I appreciate your help. Bob, thanks for calling. And Merry Christmas to you. 43 minutes past the hour. Who's turn now? Randy is in Dallas GA. Not Dallas TX. Hey, Randy. Good morning.
1: Hey, what's happening? Walter? Yes, sir. Hey, man. I'm going to uh, San Diego in the springtime, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering are there rules and regulations that we've got every kind of plant outside and inside from a to z and
2: what are you to be, going to take randy what's your what's in the truck
1: i'm wanting to take everything like uh, oh uh hydrangeas uh, night blooming serious succulents yeah. Yeah. knockout roses passion plants uh
2: Golly, my uh, basil,
1: uh, every kind of herb you can think of. See, my wife's the horticulture, but right. she knows all the right. names. I dig up all the Right, names. right. All,
2: the right. Names. all right. So you're Carried technically there, and if somebody gets arrested, it's going to be you. Uh,
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> I have make her drive, now.
2: What I'm thinking is this. California, as you know, has an enormous agricultural industry. And their biggest worry, in particular about citrus, is that people will bring in diseased plants that will affect their agriculture industry. On the other Uh, hand, hydrangea, the ones you notice, hydrangea and herbs, roses and various things like that, are not particularly going to uh, introduce anything new or weird or different in California. And uh, I doubt that at any waste station, if they have any kind of, Inspection, and I really don't know. This is where Mr. Google comes in, really handy. But I would bet you that uh, even if you had a tractor trailer full of your dug up hydrangeas, plus your bed and dresser and everything else in there, that if there's any kind of inspection, that they're going to pass on the plants and not really care about them. Landscape plants that really not going to affect the almond, citrus, uh, vegetables, and things like that in California. That's my guess. But Google it. Make sure I don't want you to you know be in the pokey and call Mr. Reed since say, come get me out. I'm not doing that.
1: I got you. So her beloved lemon tree oh, might be a problem.
2: That could be a problem. That is where you need to check and see.
1: Man, I wanted to check with you real fast. I know you got to go. What do you think of all this talk and Controversy about in state cultivation of medical marijuana. What kind of problems? I hear the deer like
2: that <laughs> plant and they run
1: out all stoned. And <laughs> all
2: Randy, I hadn't even thought about the deer problem. <laughs> and uh, I have opinions about deer population too, which I won't get into right now. But, uh, you know, this is way beyond my pay grade in talking about whether or not it's a good idea, a bad idea. I do know that, of course, you read in the Paper that the uh, commission committee said, nah, we're not going to we're not going to approve that this year." But it certainly showed, and I think some of the legislators said, "This is a no vote for right now. This is not a no vote for next year, two years down the line, as we get more information about the use of medical marijuana and the rules about whether you can transport it into the state or not, which is more a federal thing than a state law." So there is, in my opinion, potential for growing in-state marijuana, as well as growing in-state hemp, using it for you know cloth fiber and other things that hemp can be used for, which is also, at this point, illegal. But I'll let our legislators figure that out.
1: Well, wearing a hemp T-shirt, get
2: you high. <laughs> Randy, wear one and let me know. I'll let you know, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> We'll see you soon, Randy. See you. 404 You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM
0: 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, crock-mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden Advice You Need.
2: Well, a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It is a South Florida Saturday here in Atlanta. Love, break out the, lose the sweaters, I should say. Break out the t-shirts. Get outside. It's going to be gorgeous. Work on your tan. You'll be just fine. Nothing but clear skies, sunshine, afternoon highs in the mid-70s. Mild the rest of the day. Temperatures in the low 50s. Partly cloudy skies tonight. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. And don't forget Today's your day to go help Clark Howard's Christmas Kids event. It's going to be in Gwinnett County at the Walmart in Duluth. You can get donations and wish lists. They'll start around 8 o'clock this morning. If you want to come early, Clark and Dave Baker will be there at 9 o'clock today to take your help to make Christmas special. Sometimes the only Christmas that a foster child gets in, in the state of Georgia is a present from the Clark Howard Christmas Kids event. You go there, you look on the wish list, you find a child who has some things that you think you can afford, that you would enjoy giving. Maybe bring your kids or grandkids, let them help you do a little selection there. Go back and pay for the things there at Walmart and um, bring them up to the to the table where Clark will be. And you put the name of the child on it and some kid in Georgia has A merry Christmas. Let's go real quickly. Here we get John out of here and get him doing something else. John, John joins us from Coming, Georgia. Hey, man, what's up?
4: Hey, Walter, enjoy your show.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. What can I do, John?
1: Uh, I'm wondering, with this warm weather, do you think it's still a good idea to transplant?
2: Yeah, no Um, problem. I mean, this is still uh, hmm. spring. This has extended the transplanting season because soil temperatures have not gone very deep. We're still in the 40s, I'm thinking right now, which is just fine for uh, planting, transplanting, I should say, blueberries, hollies, roses, whatever you got. It's fine right now. Uh, water them in real good, and maybe a couple more times water them pretty well during the uh, winter. It would sure be nice. They're going to love you, love you, John, if you will add about a cubic foot of peat moss to the planting area. Dig it in real thoroughly, plant your blueberry in the middle of each uh, mound, And the peat moss helps to acidify the soil, which is one of the things that blueberries really, really like, is well-drained organic soils of low pH. That is blueberry heaven. Okay, great. Get her done. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for calling, John. 404-872-0750. In the next half hour, Annette is driving around right now, and I hope she's able to hold on to the phone because Annette has information about what about plants moving things around in the United States. So Annette will give us some advice on that. You can give us advice, too, or you can ask questions as well. 404-872-0750. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. Mele is the wise way to say Merry Christmas
1: to you.
3: Mele is the thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day the island greeting that